I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Palmetto Championship. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, welcome. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, Rick. I am so tired of people just overlooking this tournament. There is a lot of money to be won, a lot of DFS takedowns to be had. So let's get started. Uh, We're going to talk about that because I tend to agree with you rounding out our group for today. It's Greg Ducharme. Greg, hey, buddy. Good to have you. Hey, good to have you too. Um, See you. Nice job. You got my text clearly on the shirt. Um, It's turning into a little Monday tradition. So maybe we'll just wear salmon, pink, some shade of that every Monday and Rick can wear uh, his black and gray. I I like it. No one texts me. No one calls calls me. Tells me. I'm just kidding. There was no text. This is purely purely coincidence, and I think it's becoming clear what our what our favorite color is. There you go. That's right. This week, gentlemen, we have a lot to unwrap. This is a brand new standalone event. This event filling in for the RBC Canadian Open. It is the Palmetto Championship. So it's being held at Congaree Golf Club in South Carolina. Let's start with the spot on the schedule. Sia, I think it would be disingenuous if we tried to come out here and call this a very strong field. It is most certainly not. It is headlined by Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson. But I think what you were alluding to is kind of how I feel where this is the type of week where opportunities are for those who are doing the research, those who are understanding the depths of the tour, because there are a lot of names that are not necessarily household names and being able to sift through them, plug them in the correct spot is going to be incredibly valuable this week. Yeah. And to that point, it's an opportunity to play some guys that maybe you liked in previous tournaments, but just didn't have the guts to play because the field was so loaded. I mean, there are these second or third tier guys in this tournament that are actually going to be really playable and might have, you know, top five potential. And by the way, it's not like the the, the money in, on an outright ticket or a top 20 or, or in DraftKings is any different this week than it is <laughs> next week at the U.S. Open. So let's just remember, we do this for fun, but, but we also do it to kind of win. And those wins are the same this week as they are next week as they were last week. 
The 50K up top in some of these tournaments just as green this week as it is any other week on DraftKings. Just to kind of give a bit of a field update here, Greg, before we go into the full course breakdown or how we think it might play, because this is this is ever-changing at the moment. Just about, call it a half an hour ago, Danny Willett withdrew from this event. Add that to Brandon Grace. He's out. Charlie Hoffman also out. That news came down on Sunday. And then if you want to go uh, prior to that, uh, Doug Gim removed himself from this field. Siwoo Kim and Kyle Stanley, your man, Greg. So uh, the field is is hopefully set at this point. You know, it's Monday afternoon. Hopefully we're not hearing any more WDs before this time. the time this thing kicks off on Thursday morning. But that's that's where we stand with the caliber of field. Yeah, I tell you, I had a lot of those names written down. Um, we can go there, start start right there. So I, that's a, that's disappointing news. Um, I, I really liked some of those guys, like Brandon Grace. I feel like this would be a great venue for him. Yeah. Um, like if if he was playing, I may he may be my winner. Like he may be the guy I think would win this week. Um, so anyway, that's too bad. Um, but here we are. So more opportunity, more players come into the field, um, and it, and it gives the the real researchers maybe that much more of an advantage. So we'll hopefully you're right. Hopefully this is the final field. Let's figure out what the heck is going on with Congaree Golf Club. This is a, a new course, 2017, four years old. It's a Tom Fazio design, Sia. And Jacob, are you able to share the scorecard here? I've got the scorecard up. So we're going to pop this up on YouTube. There we go. And we'll kind of talk through this because, Sia, uh, the jarring thing that I think everybody noticed when the official scorecard came out is it's a par 71 and it says 7,655 yards on the scorecard. Uh, I think highlighted by this cool right here, 950 yards uh, on two par fours on eight and nine. That, that, those seem like some big boy holes to me. There's big boy holes everywhere. This is going to be a course where, you know, obviously off the tee distance is going to matter, but we've had this in the last, I'd say three or four tournaments where a couple of them have been, there's been an emphasis on the long drives, you know, the 175 plus the 200 plus. So I think we can kind of revert back to, to some of those proximities in terms of golfers we might be looking for, but yeah, it's a long course and you know, you're going to have to take advantage of the par fives and it's just one of those, Hey, distance actually matters this, this week. The three par fives, number two, 595 yards, number four, 645, and number 12, 580. Greg, you and I were trying to hash this out a little bit earlier, and there is some... You know, seven on seven thousand six hundred and fifty-five yards on the scorecard is is jarring, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to play every ounce of that on every single hole. Right. I mean, if you think of what happened at Kiowa Island, the ocean course, um, and I, I'm not drawing a similarity between the two courses, just the philosophy and the setup. Um, it is fairly exposed to wind. It is a golf course that is only four years old, and if you're designing a golf course now at this time. If you're going to make it under 7,600 yards, you may be leaving something behind, right? You may not be, you don't necessarily design it for now. You design it for what the future of the game looks like. And um, as as players become more and more athletic and, and they start hitting the ball farther and farther, it's nice to have this distance. It does not mean they have to set it up this long every single day during right. the tournament. Um, and at the same time, they do a couple of things that are 
rather interesting. It's all fairway out here. There's no rough. That's right. Um, which and and they don't overseed at any time during the year, so it gets very fast. It's designed to play on the ground. You'll see some generous fairways, but the line you take on those fairways is really important because you can run through. You can run through into a bunker, run through into some water. There is some water out on the golf course, um, or into some trouble in that sense. So you do have to be careful, and and that also shortens a golf course. It can make it play significantly shorter than that scorecard yardage. So much like a, a PGA championship where you have a Phil Mickelson, a Padraig Harrington, some guys that aren't necessarily, um, although they're plenty long, they're not necessarily bombers near the top. You may get a similar mixed bag this week. The one length of grass that Greg mentioned, Sia, the fairway, if you miss the fairway, you're in these kind of sandy areas, native areas. I don't know what we want to call them. It's sand, right? It's sand if you're missing the fairway. And this was built with the sand belt courses of Australia in mind. That was the inspiration for Congaree. So when you kind of look at similar courses that might have been challenging in the same ways, uh, especially if it gets firm and fast, which we'll, we'll keep an eye on the weather, we'll, we'll keep an idea out for that. I start to think President's Cup. I start to think Royal Melbourne in Australia. Uh, I, I think that's one of the better comps I can get. I totally agree. And by the way, a uh, perfect pronunciation of Melbourne. I really appreciate <laughs> that's that. That's the way I mean. the Australia. See, you, you, all these, all these English speakers, these, these uneducated Americans, they want to say Royal Melbourne. That's no, it's Royal Melbourne. You got to say it like the Australians do, like the Aussies do. Oi, oi, oi. My sister has been living in Melbourne for 25 <laughs> years. So she would take great pride in your uh, enunciation there, pronunciation. Uh, so, yeah, and I agree. It, it almost, to me, takes on more of a, a link style that, than we would on, on, on a typical PGA Tour event. And I do think it does favor some of the euros we talked about that yesterday in the course preview that some of these european players i think well and you know australian players and the like are going to have um an easier time sort of adjusting to this course i mean obviously it's an adjustment for almost everybody in this field because very few have played this course but i definitely think the euros are going to and you know that ilk will have a better time on this course than maybe they would at your typical pga tour course yeah, Greg, I know that we've been kind of texting around, calling around, trying to find people who have had experience on this course. We're bringing stories back. We're trying to digest everything and come up with the type of skill set that is going to be important this week. And I'm starting to land on something short game-ish. Uh, the idea that there's a lot of runoffs, there's going to be a lot of awkward and, and, and areas you're going to need to get creative on – I'm leaning short game. I want to see where your brain's at here early on a Monday. It's in a very similar place. You know, um, a, a long golf course and a firm golf course, they, they tend to do a couple of things. They highlight, in one degree, they highlight great ball striking. Uh, we saw that at Royal Melbourne, where if you could really strike the ball really well, you were rewarded. You could hold the greens. You could, um, you could play the ball close to where you're looking because shots are properly struck. <laughs> Um, there's another sense, and it's likely the more common sense, where when a golf course gets really firm and is really long, players miss greens more often than not. And a great ball striking round turns into a 12 or 13 green irregulation round, which is not that much. You could hit the ball great. You could lead the yeah. field in, in strokes gain approach the green and hit 11 greens irregulation at some of these places in, in conditions like this. So the firmness will have a 
major effect on that. If it's a little softer, it won't be hitting splat because it is such sand base. But if you get some rain and it, there's not quite that fire to the golf course, I do think a ball striker could really um, put together some good tee to green rounds and maybe hit, you know, 14 greens of regulation and, and perform well that way. But if there is a little bit of that fire in the golf course, Rick, um, at greens are going to great shots. will miss the green and they'll roll off into some unfortunate situations. And the guys that can handle that uh, through great short game, through great putting, things like that are the players who eventually will uh, likely prevail. All right, let's jump into the player pool for this week. And Jacob's going to pull up my screen. Thank you very much, which is rickrungood.com. This is the cheat sheet. See, you. you'll notice there is no course history this week. That does not exist. So that is absent from the cheat sheet. And there are four golfers over $10,000. And before I even unveil them, I just think it is worth noting, whatever prices you're used to paying on guys, Forget about it. It's it's not happening. Don't let it bother you this week that you're paying $1,500 more for some guy you used to roster at $6,500. do not worry. You still got to fill out six golfers. Those those four at the top, Dustin Johnson, $11,400. Brooks Kepka, $11,001. Matt Fitzpatrick, $10,400. And Terrell Hatton, $10,200. That is our 10K range, see ya. Yeah, and, and to your point, we'll, we'll get to Vincent Whaley soon enough in terms of prices that are just very much adjusted for a couple of reasons. But so I look at this range and there's a couple guys I have in mind. I mean, first of all, I'll tell you, you guys know I've been on Terrell Hatton for a while now. And frankly, it's it's mostly been the wrong call. Like, you know, Hatton, I, I felt like was going to flash maybe a few months ago after a couple trouble spots after coming over from the Middle East and doing well in some of those tournaments. Um, I do think there's some nice comps for Terrell Hatton in terms of success that he's had on, on similar courses. But I don't think I'm going – if I'm going to be rostering anybody that's not Brooks Kepka, I think it's probably going to be Matthew Fitz, Matt Fitzpatrick, who his approach game has been pretty bad. But – for elite guys like this, we know he's been good off the tee. For elite guys like this in this type of range, I'm more willing to assume they're going to turn things around maybe a little quicker than a guy in the 8K or the 7K range. So I think Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick is probably my guy that's probably going to be lower owned that I kind of like. But my favorite guy, and I probably should have led with this, is Brooks Kepka. I mean, Brooks Kepka, you know, you go 24 rounds, 12 rounds, probably 36-2. He is going to rate out either number one or definitely in the top three in your model. I mean, off the tee, he's been great. On approach, he's been great. With the putter, he's been great. And I know there's that narrative that still kind of sticks to him about he only cares about the majors. I truly think that's a false narrative. I'm not willing to buy into that. And like I mentioned yesterday, I kind of think Brooks is actually motivated. And I do think a guy like Brooks does need extra motivation sometimes. I do think he's motivated by this Bryson-Brooks feud. And, and I think that that actually could catapult a guy that might be just kind of walking through this tournament to a level where he actually wants to win the tournament. So Brooks is my guy here. Brooks Kepka coming off a runner-up finish at the PGA Championship. You look at what Matt Fitzpatrick has done. Sia uh, notably points out he's been very good off the tee, and he certainly has. He's not lost strokes off the tee in any event since the Genesis Invitational. So I'll just round up. I'll say since the start of 2021, he has not lost strokes off the tee. And Greg, I mean, he's not a bomber, so you know he's just pounding fairways, putting himself in great position for his second shot. So let me move this $10,000 range over to you. There's a giant question mark at the top. He's 11,400. His name is Dustin Johnson, Matt Fitzpatrick, Brooks Kepka, Terrell Hatton. What are we doing? 
Dustin Johnson, just to be the 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 highest priced player, world number one, and have all the doubts that I have about his game right now is a real is a real challenge. I mean, this is a field where you're going to have to take a lot of risk. There's going to be tremendous risk, top to bottom. So, I mean, you're going all in volatility if you play DJ in this, and I, I have a hard time with it because I like Brooks Kepka and I like Matt Fitzpatrick so much, as Sia said. I mean, let's think about Brooks Kepka, some of the places that he's had success major cha- I think of Shinnecock Hills think of Aaron yeah. Hills these are long golf courses um, they have severe runoffs they are fast you got to control the ball it, it sets up very very well for a Brooks Kepka, a really tough competitor like that and Matt Fitzpatrick think about some of the courses he's had success at between last year and this year um, going Crazy. back to last year you have the Arnold Palmer Invitational as firm and fast as you could imagine the memorial, uh, borderline unfair. It was so firm and fast. I mean, it, <laughs> mm. it was it was hauling, and they ripped up the golf course right after it. So, um, and and then you also had the BMW Championship where you could barely hold a green, uh, and and that style of golf kind of rewards things that Matt Fitzpatrick values, things that he practices, and so I I do really like that aspect. Um, he is probably the best short game and putter in that range, uh, which is another reason why I really like him. If you agree with, um, if you agree with us that short game is going to be really important, then he's definitely a guy to look at. So I, I tend to agree. I think those are those two are the are the guys. Um, is Brooks off the golf course stuff going to be a distraction? Maybe, but uh, to me, there's not really much question. He's the the best player in this field and should. <laughs> We should really um, at least contend in this event. Greg, I think you actually uh, sold Matt Fitzpatrick a little short there. You are correct. He has played so well on these difficult golf courses, but even more recently, we don't even have to go back to last year. Riviera, he finishes fifth. The concession, he finishes 11th. Bay Hill, 10th. Sawgrass, 9th. Uh, Hilton Head, which is not, or Hill, uh, Hill, Harbortown, excuse me, not necessarily known for being a difficult golf course, but he tacked on another uh, top five finish there. He has been really, really yeah. good at all of these courses. It's unbelievable. The reason I, the reason I went to and pointed out those courses last year, a lot of those finishes, Rick, were all in a short period of time. So you yeah, could right make here. the argument that, hey, he was just really hot at that time. They happen to be difficult golf courses. So I, I do think that those are valid points. But when you expanded to last year, it last year was less consistent. He had some missed cuts in between those events. It lasted from, uh, from gee, what was it, uh, February or March, whenever the API was, all the way until... Uh, the BMW championship in August at the end of the season. So as spread out as they were with a little bit more inconsistent performance last year, I think it really proves that this style is a good fit for Matt Fitzpatrick. I love it. $9,000 range, another very small range. See Harris English, 9,900 sung J M off of two consecutive Missed cuts at 97. Tommy Fleetwood and Ian Poulter at 95 and 92. Patton, here, here's the first. Patton Kazire, 9,100. Uh, I can go back and look at the last time we've seen that. Not often. And then Garrick Higo, a name that the casual fans might not know about, and we can discuss $9,000. What do you think about this $9,000 range? Well, I think for the first time ever since doing a show with the first cut, I actually hate the 9K range. I'm, I always live I've here. Ne- I've always, never heard that. <laughs> I always skip the elite range, or at least I say I'm going to skip the elite range, and I do for the most part, and, and I live in the 9K range. But the, it's it's really I'm, – I'm, 
I'm pulling teeth to get a guy here. And, and I'll tell you, I wanted to take Harris English, but I just don't. The approach game hasn't been there. The ball striking hasn't been there. To be honest, I think the guy I like the most is this guy that we think is probably overpriced, and it's Patton Kazire. It's not a guy I'm normally on, but when you look at his his metrics, especially over the last 12 rounds, I mean, this guy is really heating up with the ball striking. And, I mean, again, in this tournament, 9,100 kind of, you know, your eyes get kind of big, but it's this tournament. I mean, there's a reason why the number is what it is. And I, I'd probably prefer his upside over a guy like Sung J.M. and Harris English, who, of course, have the pedigrees, but they're not really striking the ball that well. Patton Kazire is what Greg would define as a popper. He misses a lot of cuts, but he offsets them with top five, top 10 finishes as he has in two of his last three, a third place finish at the Byron Nelson, a third place finish in Fort Worth at the Charles Schwab challenge. Because when he gets going, the skill sets that he relies on the putter, which he's been much better with recently. And then the approach game. And when those two things get going, uh, you are very formidable. So that is why we've seen Patton Kazire rise to the top of some of these leaderboards. Greg, let me move this 9K range over to you. Sia doesn't like it. How do you feel about it? I think there's some um, some pretty good plays in here. I mean, Tommy Fleetwood's game should be a really nice fit here. Um, another English player, Does he, is his short game lacking? Maybe. But the thing I like about Tyrrell Hatton, uh, I'm sorry, as you pull up Tyrrell Hatton, yeah, the thing I sorry. like about Tommy Fleetwood <laughs> is I, I think he, I think his ball striking ability, if it gets a little bit softer and guys are able to hit a little bit more greens, I think he could really uh, get some rewards out of it. Um, and so for that, he's he's an interesting play where if the conditions turn the right direction for him, I, I think Tommy Fleetwood could contend. Um, will he win? I, I don't know, but I, I really think he has the ability to contend at a golf course like this, but he's not my favorite player in the field. I, I really like Ian Poulter in this range. And yeah. I think he will be, um, I, I think when people see the length of that golf course, they're going to sleep on Ian Poulter a little bit. And you think about what he did at the ocean course at the PGA championship, he came in tied 30th and there was a point in time where he was, you know, um, on kind of record pace. He played really well at Kiowa in 2012 as well. And that's a good example because it's a long golf course that he's had success at. But what Ian Poulter has done is he started to hit the ball a little bit better. His, um, some of his best tee to green performances, his best of the year, in fact, came at the Charles Schwab challenge. And at the same time, his short game and his putting have been phenomenal on the PGA tour this year. He is seventh in strokes game putting for the entire season. He's 21st around the green. And I saw at the Charles Schwab challenge an improvement in his tee to green play. And I, I would not sleep on Ian Poulter. I think this is going to be a, a surprisingly good spot for him. I think that the uh, you're right. When I when I kind of saw Poulter in the scorecard, I got a little bit worried. But I I also think that your assessment of him trending in the right direction, always being great in the short game, that's both on and around the greens is it's exciting. He's played well recently, and then Tommy Fleetwood I think is the guy that I will get more excited on and warm up on as the week goes on. When I start kind of building lineups and he's there, I think it'll just be kind of a natural fit for Tommy Fleetwood to fit in. Uh, but see, let me let me do the Garrick Higo thing 
real quick because we've got this is kind of our first spot to take a guy who plays primarily on the European tour and try to figure out how that's going to translate. And we're going to have that same problem when we get down and say, okay, here's a guy that primarily plays on the Corn Ferry. How does that translate? And then we're going to have that same problem when we say, here's a guy who primarily plays in college. How does that translate? So we'll, we'll take these step by step here and we'll start with Garrick Higo, who has won uh, two of his last three starts on the European tour. And if you're looking for strength of field comps, the strengths of fields would be essentially like him winning the Puerto Rico Open and the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. Those would have been the two victories for Higo. He is a young, long lefty, uh, a little bit wild with the driver. How are we taking and he made the cut at the PGA Championship, by the way. How are we taking this kind of unknown entity of the European Tour and translating it here to the big PGA Tour? Yeah, normally I'd be off Higo, but because of especially the talent range in, in this 9K range or, or even the upper 8K range, I do think I'll have a few shares. I mean, his finishing positions the last, you know, three or four tournaments, I, I know you mentioned the three, but, you know, he's been pretty good, uh, obviously. And the, you, you said Corrales Punta Cana in Puerto Rico. I mean, this is a similar talent field. I mean, I, you can make an argument that it's a lesser talent. I don't know what, what it's going to rate out at ultimately with all these withdrawals. But, you know, Garrett Higo is obviously in, in a field that he can do really well in. And this is the type of course that is not going to be foreign to him by any means. So I absolutely think he can hang with all of these guys. And honestly, if it, you know, obviously this is a high price for somebody that nobody's really ever heard of. But this is a completely fair price. And I will say this. I agree with Tommy Fleetwood a little bit, too. You know, looking at a short game, I like him quite a bit. And I think he is on that upper trajectory that we talked about with Ian Poulter. I think Fleetwood is there, too. But as far as Garrett Higo, yeah, I think I'm going to have to have a few shares of him. If you made me guess, I think it's going to fall between. So this year, strength of field numbers, Puerto Rico was the easiest. It was a 28 in the OWGR. Punta Cana was a 33rd. And then the next one was Pebble. That was 141. I think it has to check in in between those. I think it'll be the third easiest field because Pebble had Spieth and Berger and I think Hoffman play. And there were just, there were just other, there were just other names there. Um, $8,000 range. Greg, we'll start this off with you. This is where the ranges start to get a little bit bigger. We've got Alex Norin and Keith Mitchell at the top of this range. It goes down to Doc Redman and Scott Stallings. There's some interesting names here. There's some guys that we know have had uh, some experience on this golf course. We can talk about that. But who is moving the needle for you in this 8K range? Oh, this is where you start um, wondering about what you're paying for guys, right? These are, these <laughs> yeah. are, this may be your second start. Right, your second highest priced player may come in this range, and it's probably not going to be a name that you love. Um, so it, it's uh, it's going to be quite interesting. One guy that comes to mind, I got a couple, and they're different styles. So I'll give you three names. You're familiar with them. A, a Kevin Kisner type player, I think, is okay. going to be kind of sneaky. I don't love Kisner, but he's on my list. Brant Snedeker, I think, is really kind of coming around. The putting is starting to come around this year a little bit more. And he had a couple of nice finishes at Valspar. He was 11th. Byron Nelson, he was 17th. Um, the Charles Schwab didn't quite go his way. But I wouldn't be surprised if if Brant Snedeker made a run here. But the guy that I really like is Lucas Glover. Yeah. Um, I think his ball striking prowess is um, among the best in the in this class. But what I really like about him is his short game around the greens. I, I personally saw a bunker session, short game and bunker session with Lucas Glover. That was one of the coolest. Things. It was a couple of years ago. 
one of the coolest things I've ever seen um, that really helped my own bunker play. But he, but he was so good and so consistent. And it's something you don't think about with Lucas Glover about his short game. But he's really, really talented around the greens. And on the year, he's, he's 42nd on tour, strokes gain around the green. The area that he struggles with is putting. Um, but I do think he hits it well enough to where he could um, – where, where he could give himself the opportunities and without a great putting week, he could still contend. Let me fix the putting numbers for you because he has made significant gains recently. So I'm showing his logs right now over his last eight measured events. Lucas Glover has gained strokes with the putter in six of them. Now, if you look at his larger body of work, that's amazing. He In his eight starts previous to the eight I just read you, he <laughs> lost strokes putting in every single one of them. That is more like the Lucas Glover that we know. So I agree with you, Greg. He is uh, certainly trying or at least starting to figure something out with the putter. He's always been very good from tee to green and we didn't even mention it. He's one of the few guys who has played this course and has some notable experience on it. He's given a couple of really good quotes, a couple of really good um, interviews about the way that he thinks this course is going to play. So throw in the experience factor as well. Lucas Glover certainly trending in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, and that putting stuff, Rick, it may explain some of these recent forms where uh, like eighth at the Charles Schwab Challenge, fourth at the Valero yeah. Texas Open, a couple of these pops. Um, and you know, 37th at the Memorial too. You know, he missed the cut at the Wells Fargo, which was disappointing. But, um, but yeah, I, I think he, he may be worth a shot. Okay. The, uh, you know, here we go. See Alex Norin has been one of the most consistently good players that we have in this 8k range. He's piled up five top 25s in his last six starts with a 13th place finish at the Memorial coming as his, as his most recent. We have Keith Mitchell, who is uh, the volatile version of Alex Norin. What, what are, what are we doing here in this 8k range? You know what I don't want is the volatile version of Alex Norn of all. So, so I'll just stick with, I'll just stick with Alex Norn on this one. I actually really like him. I I played him a lot last week, Alex Norn. The only thing that's really failing him right now, to the extent anything is failing him is the approach game. But honestly, when, when you look at the proximities that I'm super interested in 175 plus 200 plus, he's not bad there. And so even though the approach game is, you know, below average in this field, the, the off the tee game is great. The putting is great. The around the green game is great. And I think he's going to do just fine on this course. So Alex Norn is a guy I really like. Again, that's a price that you're not used to paying for Alex Norn. That's fine. I mean, again, this is a different type of tournament. So I don't necessarily think he's overpriced. I really like Lucas Glover for all the reasons Greg said as well. I do want to point out a little watch out for him. And that's that. Let's say you're looking at his 24-round history. It's very good. But if you actually look at the last three tournaments, the last 12 rounds, I mean, a couple finishing positions have been good, but the approach game hasn't really been there for Lucas Glover. So, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not going to play him. That that just happens to be just a little watch out for me there. Uh, A couple other guys I'll mention. Um, I think Harold Barner III is interesting here. I mean, if his ownership ends up being high, he kind of tends to be a popular guy. I might just pivot off of him, but I do think he's appropriately priced. I'll mention one other kind of sneaky guy, and that's Scott Stallings. I think Scott Stallings' game is, is finally started to pick up, and I think this is the type of tournament that he could excel in. Scott Stallings. Let's see what Scott Stallings is up to these days. 32nd on tour in approach, which is it means he's probably top 
six in this field, if I'm just guessing, right? I mean, with, yep. with the strength of it. Um, 41st in greens and regulation. He struggles around the greens, but otherwise, let's see, 88th. I mean, he's gaining uh, in terms of strokes gained totally. He's, he's longer than I probably thought he was 81st there. Scott Stallings, interesting. Have you seen him? Yeah. I mean, he's he, he's well, like shorter than he looks like he would be. He's cut he's, up. He's the, uh, he was Bryson before Bryson. Yeah. Remember when he got into shape and everybody was like, Scott Stallings is jacked. And for the record, he's made, he's made five cuts in a row, including a a third place finish and an 11th place finish. Although the 11th place finish was at Zurich, but you know, again, that's five cuts in a row for Scott Stallings. I don't think anybody would have predicted that. There you go. I dig it. Gentlemen, I actually missed the ad break uh, after the 9K range, so I'm going to hit it right now. We're going to drop down to the 7s. We're going to talk about some value in the 6s, but first, we have to take a break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. $7,000 range, gentlemen. Uh, remember, Danny Willett, he gone. He withdrew about an hour ago, so he's out of this field. Luke List is here. I've got a spicy little nugget about that guy. And it goes all the way down, Greg, to, oh boy, Satoshi Kodaira, Roger Sloan, Mark Hubbard, Kramer Hickok, Danny Lee. This is, this is the monster range. I feel like the 7K range is always large but with how small the 10k was with how small the 9k was DraftKings just said here's everyone else like just just have added in the sevens yeah i'm i'm kind of like you guys in this where um what you guys talked about yesterday with some uh, maybe a little bit of a a lean towards european players and i really like danny willett i thought this was going to be a danny willett week (laughs) so unfortunately uh that is now at this point Completely useless. So yes. the next guy that I would have to go to, and there are a couple. I, I mean, I'm I'm interested. Um, Rafa Cabrera Bayo has had some good rounds lately. Camilo Vajegas has played well lately, although not quite um, last week. But another interesting guy to me is a Martin Laird, um, which is kind of like the Danny Willett pivot to me. Um, he hits a lot of fairways. He's accurate off the tee. He hits a lot of greens. He's, he's 20th in driving accuracy for the year. He's 22nd in greens of regulation for the year, which could be good. Now, He's not great in the scrambling. He's not great um, with the strokes game putting. But being a Scottish player, understanding that type of ground game could be of value. And um, maybe we get a a good week out of him. um, At the PGA Championship, he was tied 23rd, tied 53rd at the Memorial last week. He's made three cuts in a row. Hasn't been great, but maybe he's due for uh, another pop. He gained 11.6 strokes on approach at the PGA Championship. That's yeah. absolutely bonkers. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got to figure something out on the green, on and around the greens, which yeah. does worry me for this. But maybe that style, the style here at Congaree, can help him in that. I, if, I, I'm bummed about Danny Willett. I'll be honest. Me too. I thought he was five hundred dollars uh, too cheap, and I was I was getting ready to play him and no more. So what what I what I'm doing here in this range, Sia is uh, we can talk about Vincent Whaley, who we know has made I believe he's up to ten cuts in a row with the last nine of them better than thirty six, uh, and he's just been piling them up. He was sixty two hundred dollars the last time we saw him. That was two weeks ago. He's seventy seven hundred now, so that's a bit of uh, some sticker shock. But I I like the the KFT guys, the Corn Fairy guys. David Lipsky in particular, he's won on the Corn Fairy this year. He's got two more runner up finishes. He has secured his car, gentlemen. So get used to the name. We're gonna see him quite a bit. He's coming up. He will graduate from the Corn Ferry to the PGA Tour. Guys like him, Peter Uline, Seamus Power, who have been splitting time and playing well this almost feels i don't want to say it's a corn fairy event uh but it's 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 closer to that than most fields that we get so that's where i'm leaning see what are you heading for so i want to say luke list really badly but i i think because these greens are going to be problematic and fast i just don't think i can come around to him because of the putter is so bad oh, the I, nugget tell us the nugget i almost yes, forgot the you nugget. need this can, nugget <laughs> can i can i entice you with this nugget that as of one month ago I don't know if it's been broken, but that's the last time I got this information. Luke List held the course record at Congaree. Does that change your wow. mind at all? Say it, Sia. Say it. <laughs> I mean, so Say kind name. of, but I don't know how many people like have played Congaree. It's been open for like five days. I mean, I'm exaggerating the point. Honestly, I mean, it's but- also very exclusive too. So I doubt there's been that many like pros there. Right. Yeah, so no, that doesn't really change my mind. I will say this. There are guys that I don't necessarily like for four days in this tournament, but I do like for showdown, which I sometimes play. And Luke List, guys like Jonathan Vegas, those are going to be high on my list as far as showdown is concerned. But let's skip over Luke List because there's other guys I like. Vincent Whaley's one of them. I mean, okay. by the way, when we talked about Vincent Whaley, and you broke ground here, Rick Gaiman, it was probably four, five, six weeks ago. But when we started to talk about him, we were like, hey, don't look at the metrics because they're really bad because a couple of those, you know, Punta Cana and Puerto Rico, they weren't we included in. Yeah, yeah. Well, check it out now. Those metrics are actually really good. So, I mean, it just really speaks to how good this guy has been. You know, we can talk about the made cuts. We can talk about the finishing positions. But now the metrics have finally caught up because we have, like, these rounds that actually have shot link that's helping us along the way. So, off the tee approach, this guy's rating out really well. So, I think Vincent Whaley is a really kind of, like, safe-ish play to the extent that's possible in this tournament. A couple other guys I like, Ben Martin and Roger Sloan. I I think both of those guys, Ben Martin in particular, has really been striking the ball well i think his price is fair he's he's definitely trending in the right direction and roger sloan i just think is just cheap enough uh from a DraftKings standpoint to be able to roster and maybe fit some higher guys in martin's kind of interesting so uh, he's again one of these guys where in his last eight starts he has played zurich he has played punta cana and he's played puerto rico so we don't have any numbers there in his last seven starts excuse me in the other four that we have He's gained strokes off the tee in each one of them. He's gained strokes on approach in all of them. He's gained strokes putting in each of his last two. Again, we don't know what he did in those other three starts, but that's 
That's pretty good, CS. $7,600 for Ben Martin. Okay, Greg, as we kind of go down to the bottom of this range, I see some familiar names. Adam Shank, Brian Stewart, Kramer Hickok, Danny Lee. Is there anybody else? Or we could also go with Davis Thompson making his first professional start. He was the number one ranked amateur. I don't know where he fits into all of this, but is there anybody else in the 7K range that we should move on? Well, now down at this point, you're looking at a, um, like we've said, there there's a lot you're kind of your peers are uh upper end corn fairy tour players lower end pga tour players kind of mixed in and if we had an event without a brooks kepka without those top names i I think a guy like henrik norlander would really jump off the page um and I, i think he'd be a guy that everybody would be extremely interested in and now the recent form hasn't been great uh, he had a tough Thursday round at, at the Memorial. He had a tough Thursday round at the Wells Fargo. I'm wondering if that continues, but I, I think he's a stronger player than those performances. So is he going to be able to write the ship, shake something off in a week? I don't know, but he is a, he is a pretty good iron player. Um, he's 37th on tour for the, for the year. Um, he, he was a really good driver of the ball last year. Um, he, he's really accurate. He hits a ton of greens, which could go his way. I worry about the short game and the putting. So it's a little against model, but I think it's a, it's a high end talent in this, um, in this range before we move on if you think bryson hits it far uh look out for wilco nanny bar mark's gonna kill me for that he's a south african who just absolutely bombs it like his his european tour average was something ridiculous last year like 364 yards so i just something outrageous so i I have no idea about the rest of his game but it's outrageous he he drove (laughs) uh he drove like a 400 and 36 yard par four on the European tour this year or something. Um, yeah, I think I remember freak. seeing that. Yeah. Freak. Hey, maybe that's a, maybe that's a good thing this week. He's 21. He is. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So he's this year is average is 323. Last year was 340. So in the two years that he has played on the European tour, he's been first or second in driving distance. The accuracy eh, a little bit different, but uh, certainly hits it quite far. This is impressive stuff. Uh, Okay. 6K range. This, if you thought uh, the 8K range was bad, if you thought the 7K range was bad, let me introduce you, Sia, to the 6Ks. This starts with Andrew Putnam, Cam Percy, Hank slash Henry Lebiota, John Pock goes all the way down. Who's min-priced in this field? Oh, boy. Smiley. Wow. Robert Garrigus. Robert Garrigus. Michael Kim, Martin Trainer. John Rollins is playing. Isn't he? Shouldn't he be on like PGA Tour Live calling this? Is that the same John <laughs> Rollins? It's got to be, right? Yeah, probably. He's playing it. What do you see, Sia? I mean, first of all, you, <laughs> you, you know, you know, I got a couple guys here. First of all, Hammer and Hank Lebiota has been really good. I mean, I don't know if anybody's noticing, yeah. but I believe he's made, there you go, three cuts in a row. Uh, the ball striking has been really good. You know, off the tee isn't great with Hank Lebiota, but. The approach game, especially the longer proximities, again, 175 to 200, that range, he's been really good. Honestly, the the only thing that really hurts him, I believe, is the short game. And I guess we're looking at it now. Sometimes that short game catches up to him. Uh, As you can see, it looks like four out of the last six. He's he's lost strokes sometimes significantly. But the ball striking's there. I actually think he's a really good bargain. And for the record, uh, that's one of the three. You know, I I do three outrights right off the bat. Usually they're kind of long. 
150 to one. I'm just going to go ahead and play that and hope some of these guys at the top uh, crash and burn. But yeah, I like him quite a bit. A, a few other guys I like, you know, Robbie Shelton flashes sometimes. I think in this field, Robbie Shelton could have put a couple good days together and really, really climb the leaderboard. Uh, a couple other guys that are kind of really off the radar because they haven't been very good, but I think they are good players. John Huh, he's been very bad, but I think it's possible because he usually is a good ball striker that he could actually you know, put something together here. I'll give you one other guy because... We've been so good with the like 6,200 and that min price range that I just want to, I feel compelled to pick one other guy here. And the last two weeks obviously have been some, some layups in that regard. I'm going to go with, I don't think you can guess it's 6,200 or below. Does anybody want to guess this? Uh, I got to guess. I got to guess. I see. I think this is a C a special. Go ahead. You want me to go first? Yeah, Um, I do. Chris Baker. Oh, that's a that is a CS special, and I thought of him. Yes, yeah, I I thought of him, but that's actually not it. It's Jonas Blixt. I'm just gonna just Mm. throw a dart if if you need. I think Chris Baker's interesting there, but I think Jonas Blixt. Listen, the numbers don't really bear out, but he is kind of good at these these longer proximities. He's not terrible with the putter, and he's not terrible around the green. So that's just somebody I'm just gonna throw in there. He has flashed lately. There was a tournament where he was. It might have been the team event where he played pretty well. So I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. When I looked at this range, Greg, and when we were chatting earlier, I was trying to sell you on unknown entities, which would be John Pocky, $6,900, even like a Cole Hammer, who's 6,800. Pock making his first start since turning professional. Um, he went to Florida State. He won eight times. He was the number one player in that PGA Tour University. So now he gets... He gets, I think it's unlimited corn fairy starts for the rest of the year. And he can now, of course, accept sponsors exemptions on the PGA tour. So I, the argument that I was making, whether it is correct or not, was I almost prefer an unknown entity, someone we don't know anything about over ones that I do know about because the, the ones that I know about kind of, kind of stink. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I understand that. But I like to I like to have something that I can, as I say, hang my hat on. Right. I'd like to have something that makes me feel a little bit warm and fuzzy. It makes me feel mm-hmm. like, OK, I got a reason for this. Is there a warm More and so fuzzy than... down here somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you got to have a, you got to have a special kind of attitude. And yeah. fortunately, um, a guy who's wearing pink almost every Monday, I have that attitude. Perfect. So uh, a couple of the guys I find interesting. One is J.J. Spawn. Um, okay. Why J.J. Spawn? What what am I what could you possibly hang your hat on? Um, scroll right past the statistics and scroll to recent form because there's just one tournament and it was the Wells Fargo. He came in 18th. He was 47th at the Byron Nelson. So he's made two cuts in a row. Uh, that's something I might like. I might be interested in. I that. might uh, like it. <laughs> yeah. I also, I, you know, I don't feel extremely warm and fuzzy about that. Um, another guy that I think is somewhat interesting is Sung Kang. Um, okay. Sung, Sung Kang kind of think about like the, the tournament he won the AT&T Byron Nelson at Trinity Forest. It was kind of a longer course, wide open. I don't think this is going to be like that very much, but it is kind of open and kind of longer. He has an opportunity to to air it out. He came in 32nd at the Memorial. He was uh, 62nd. He made, he made the cut at the Charles Schwab. That's probably a better way to say that. And he was um, 47th at the AT&T Byron Nelson. So maybe he's coming around into a little bit of form. Um, that's also something. And, and I like the fact that he's won. So kind of in a different 
um, uh, with a different strategy than yours, Rick, guys that have done it before, I know there's a little bit of equity there. If he gets near the lead, he might have a opportunity to, to succeed. So, um, yeah, those would be, those would be my guys. The other guy, well, no, nope. I don't like that. So that's all I got. Rick, I'd like to co-sign on Pac. So that's, uh, Tupac. Tupac. Uh, Maybe the, I, I just think that, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to stop short of comparing John Pock and Davis Thompson to Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland, but I just think that these guys are so ready coming out of college. They're just, they're just much better now. I'm just, I'm just interested to see how it goes. Uh, if you want guys who have won, Sadoshi Kadaira is a winner on tour. He's finished 13th and 11th in his last two starts. He's, oh, he's $7,000. So it doesn't, doesn't even count. Uh, we were already done with that range. Okay, let's, uh, I will give you guys a reprieve. We can be done talking about these individual golfers in the 6K range. Let's talk a little bit about roster construction here because uh, Sia, Greg and I were trying to devise a plan on the phone earlier, but I don't want to reveal that plan because i want to get your thoughts on stars versus scrubs balance build how are we taking what we've just learned over the last 45 minutes and executing it into a six man team yeah so i think it's a hybrid because i think what what i've done so far with my lineups is take brooks kepka for example because i really do like brooks kepka and that that gives me the ability again i don't like the 9k range that much so that gives me the ability to just dive right into the 8k range and then dive to the 7k range which by the way i like some of the low 7k guys so i don't really have a problem taking a brooks kepka and let's say a lucas glover and then just immediately going down to that 7k range maybe even at grabbing a 6k guy because honestly I don't see a huge difference between some of these upper 6K guys and these mid 7K guys. And I don't see a huge difference between those mid 7K guys and the 8K guys. That was my argument. My argument to Greg was basically uh, under 7,700, they're all the same. Like, I mm-hmm. don't, they are all the same. So I might as well go. I don't want to say extreme stars and scrubs because I'm not plugging in two min priced guys and taking DJ and Brooks or something like that. But I am not going to be splitting hairs between a Richie Warinsky and a Von Taylor or a Danny Lee and a Kramer Hickok. You know what I mean? I just, they're, I don't see that big of a difference. I'm going to go out and build the guys I really want first in there, Greg. Yeah, that's definitely the way to do this. You say, okay, I, I like a Ian Poulter and a Matt Fitzpatrick or a Brooks Kepka and a Tommy Fleetwood. And that's going to, you're going to feel like that really leaves you with nothing to spend. But the truth is, no matter what you do, you don't have anything to spend, right? It, it, there's no, there's, there's very little benefit in staying you know, in, in saving near the top. So you take the players that you think are going to, are going to win the event. And if you can get two of them, two and a half of them, uh, you know, maybe three guys that you're really comfortable with. Then you go down to the lower range and you find a couple of guys that have played well lately. Uh, you find a reason to pick somebody. Maybe they're an extremely long hitter from the European tour. Maybe, uh, maybe they've had a couple of nice weeks in a row. I, I don't know. You, you try to find something that you could say, okay, I, I think this guy's really going to play well. So you avoid that blind dart throw. Um, and maybe that's a bad analogy, but you, you don't want to just, you know, see what you come up with. You don't want to just pick a guy because you like this the name or whatever. You find some kind of reason and I lean towards recent form. So pick the guys you think are going to win. Get two, maybe a guy you're, you know, I, I'll call it two and a half guys up there mm-hmm. near the top and then, um, and then see what you're left with price-wise. As 
we sit here on a Monday afternoon, Sia, I, I would bet whatever the ownership projections are going to be, the chalky guys are going to be chalkier because I think we have so few names that people are feeling comfortable with that once they find them, everybody's going to play them. And then there are a lot of unknowns with just the PGA tour pros that we don't see all the time. The European tour guys, the corn fairy guys, the college guys, whatever it is. I just think there are so few names that people are going to end up circling that when I have an ownership projection of 22% on Lucas Glover on Wednesday, I would not be shocked to see that be 32 on Thursday morning, just because I think this is a weird week and people are going to really chalk it up. Yeah, which gives you really good incentive to just go ahead and pivot, even your single entries. I mean, it's okay, for example, in single entry or three max to play chalk with, you know, maybe three or four of your guys and then you, you pivot elsewhere. But th- there's not a huge talent gap. Let, let's, let me give you an example Vincent Whaley and let's see, Russell Knox, for example, or Ben Martin and Russell Knox. That's a 600, 700 price difference. Russell Knox is actually 600 more than those guys. Like there's no reason to believe, especially in this tournament with the metrics that you would be leaning on that, that Russell Knox should be more than, than those two guys I mentioned. So take, take the guys you want. I mean, I would definitely avoid the popular guys for the most part, because you just don't need to play them. And if you really want to play Lucas Glover, it's totally fine, but there's so many places to pivot here with some of these relatively un unknown names this is the tournament to play them and take your chances does does this mean that there's less chalk at the bottom of the board like do you there was kyle stanley and vincent whaley the last couple weeks were chalky chalk chalk i mean they everybody was playing them that's where you start it was a free space as jacob said the other day that doesn't (laughs) exist here are there guys in the lower range that you think are or is all the chalk near the top of the board this week I think there's some chalk towards the towards the bottom. I think Hank Lebiota, for example. I mean, if you look at his last 12, 24 rounds, he's going to look really good, and he's 6,900. I think that's a really good example in the 6K range of a guy that's going to be chalky. But outside of him, in this in this low 7K range, I'm not seeing a lot of guys. So I, I don't. You're right. I don't think there's going to be a lot of guys in this low 7K range or upper 6K range that are going to be chalky. There's not going to be that Kyle Stanley, Vincent Whaley scenario, but. There are a couple guys that are definitely going to, you know, grab some numbers like Lebiota, in my opinion. So that means you got to differentiate a little bit more near the top. Is what that, that's my interpretation of that. Well, I think just by virtue of there not being any popular guys towards the bottom, I think you're just by default going to be different. Unless you just happen to be taking all all the the semi chalky guys, so I think you can. I mean, I think you're kind of right, but I think you can be chalky at the top and actually get different at the bottom because there's you could take your your John Pox for example. You could take some of these right. relatively unknown guys yeah. or, or guys that aren't really often played. Interesting. There. You so go. I guess do do whatever you want. I think do you can it. kind of do whatever yeah. you want this week. I yeah. truly do. Do whatever you want. The optimal lineup will be. $46,700. That will be the optimal lineup when wow. this is all said and done on Sunday night. Do you Maybe build, are, you, are you going to build the lineup at that price? <laughs> sometimes I, sometimes I, um, often I will, I will create lineups that have a max of 49,000. So sometimes they get down to like 48. I, I, they don't usually go that low, but, but yeah. yeah. I will. I will sometimes write some rules that forty nine thousand is the highest you can go, and I'm being. I just get to be really, really different and see what happens. I like it. I think that'll do it. 
We will be back, of course, on Tuesday for our mega preview pod. And after each and every round of this week's Palmetto Championship. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. Let me thank Sia Najad, who you can find on Twitter at Sia Najad. And Greg Ducharme, who you can find on Twitter at The Real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time. docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.